So I've been thinking about conferences and keynotes and my keynotes in particular. And this led me to the concept of conferences, industry events and really anywhere people are publicly speaking, that they are the modern day equivalent of archery, of rhetoric. And in particular, speakers give birth to spiritual impulses, to new ideas, radical thoughts and some less radical ones on the stage in front of an audience that receives those impulses, those thoughts. Does this make event managers and conference organizers the doulas and the midwives for new thoughts in the world? Hmm. Welcome to the Alchemy of Innovation with me, Laurel Papworth, where we mix up esoteric philosophy Emergent technology like the metaverse and NFTs for events. Artificial intelligence. Will we see ChatGPT on the stage soon? Some ancient religion, spirituality. Anyway, how exactly do speakers give birth on stage? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) In 2004, the former United States Vice President Al Gore gave a presentation on climate change actually a PowerPoint presentation in a town hall. The PowerPoint was titled An Inconvenient Truth. And in the audience was Laurie David. She directed Fed Up, which is a movie on obesity. And from that town hall meeting, the 2006 Academy Award winning documentary An Inconvenient Truth was born. So one never knows who will be in the audience when presenting, even at a town hall meeting. By the way, I'm presenting this Wednesday night on AI is my co-pilot at the Spark Festival on behalf of the City of Sydney Town Hall. And it's free. So hopefully I'll see you there. Anyway, plug over. I have a prayer, a mantra, if you will, before I go on stage. Actually, I have a few. One of them is, please, God, don't let me suck. But that's beside the point. The mantra is, let those that have the ears to hear, hear. I know it's not for everyone. I know I'm not for everyone. But maybe one line, one thought that I speak on stage will inspire one person to think about it, one person to take action, one person to create change. I'm not the inspirer. I'm the delivery mechanism. I'm the Australia Post of events, if you like. I wrote about an inconvenient truth on my website, particularly the viral campaign around it and the commitment which was a pledge button that people were asked to use. Uh, That was back in 2006. It seemed like an important initiative at the time. And one thing I do find interesting about events and listening to speakers at events is that there's often a zeitgeist, a spirit of the time, or a volksgeist, but maybe not a spirit of the nation. Maybe it's a spirit of the industry. that Everything is building and coming to a head right at this time, and it needs one voice to stand up and say, so, I've been thinking. So let's jump back just a little bit in time to before 2006, to Marcus Tullius Cicero, who was born in 106 BCE. Just a little time. Cicero, often named as the greatest orator of all time, the greatest public speaker, sort of would give Tony Robbins a run for his money. Cicero wrote that every speech should have five stages. Invention, arrangement, 
style, memory, and delivery. Fascinating. A hundred years, more or less, maybe 50 years before the common era, before Christ. I love Cicero. Why do I love him so much? I love him for addressing the democratization of public speaking and the never-ending tyranny of imposter syndrome that every public speaker has been through, experienced or no. Cicero said, and I quote, I am sure the magnificence of Plato did not deter Aristotle from writing, nor did Aristotle, with all his marvellous breadth of knowledge, put an end to the studies of others. Moreover, not only were outstanding men, gender-specific at the time, not only were outstanding men not deterred from undertaking liberal pursuits, but even craftsmen did not give up their arts because they were unable to equal the beauty of the picture of Iausus. Iausus was more than likely an Instagram image <laughs> of Iausus in Rhodes, which is a beautiful place. Hashtag wish I was there. See, everybody had imposter syndrome, including Cicero, and according to him, Aristotle. Cicero wrote not one, not two, but 14 speeches throwing shade at Marcus Antonius, Mark Antony, Mark Antony, not Marcus Aurelius Antoninus, the Stoic Emperor, the other one. And by the way, on the down low, don't get them mixed up. Classicists can get a bit, mm -hmm, we just don't, okay, word to the wise, word from the experienced. Also a word to the wise. Socrates chose to drink hemlock rather than back down from his speeches, which exhorted the audience to think for themselves. So yeah, if you are a public speaker, be careful out there, folks. I want to jump back to today, to emergent technology, specifically emergent technology with event management that brings us to NFTs, the new kid on the block for access to conferences, either virtual or real world or both. Access to goodies, plus a proof of attendance. An NFT is a digital version of the ticket, but the additional benefit is that the certificate of ownership is stored in a vault called the blockchain. So the attendee has their ticket in their crypto wallet while the event management company keeps the tickets in the blockchain. This provenance, this ownership, now becomes traversable in the metaverse. In fact, transferable in a digital space. You can display your attendance to an industry conference on your LinkedIn profile. And maybe you've been to every one of those conferences in the last 12 years, and there they are on LinkedIn for the world to see. There are around 24 major uses of NFTs in the event space. I am considering putting up a video explaining those 24 and how they can be used for add-on benefits for the conference, for downloadables of videos, PowerPoints, to shareable media so that more people become engaged in the conference to gamification. There's lots of uses of NFTs. Let me know if you're interested in that. So quite a few of the largest conferences are now using NFTs. And I specifically want to talk about Tony Robbins. Yes, Tony Robbins and Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk and others are using the latest technology to keep their audiences engaged. In fact, not just keep them engaged, but to invite them to the event to make it a must-see ticket of the season 
And if we look at Tony Robbins, Gary Vee, and others, we can see the three types of rhetoric at play. I think it was Aristotle, perhaps it was Cicero. I'm not sure. If you could look that up and let me know, that would be great. Maybe we can ask ChatGPT. But the three types of oratory, one is the past, one is the present, one is the future. So next time you see a speaker at a conference, or before or after you go on to speak, try and consider this. Is the speaker judicial, which is the past? It's forensic. It's also known as accuse or defend. And it's justifying a past activity. I'll give you an example. This could be a bank giving a case study for something that they implemented, what worked, what didn't, that kind of thing. So it's judicial and forensic. The second type of speaker is epididic in the present. Praise and blame It's like a nominating speech for a politician, testimonials, ceremonial virtue and vice, and often is motivational in epididic. The third one is deliberative, which is future. This could be a futurist. Let's just go with the obvious here. But anybody who exhorts you, not exhorts you, exhort you to do something or dissuade you from doing something. Sometimes it's advertising or social justice. If you do this, there will be a future repercussion. So the three main types of rhetoric are placed in time. I asked ChatGPT, which one did Tony Robbins belong to? And of course, then you know we have to set the context up first. I want to make sure he doesn't pick Tony Robbins, the neurosurgeon, or Tony Robbins, the tennis player, if there are such creatures out there. And this is what ChatGPT said. Tony Robbins is a well-known public speaker, author, and life coach. Based on the content of his speeches, I would classify him as epididic, so that's in the present and has to do with praise and blame or virtual advice, asking people how they're thinking about things now, how they're feeling about things now. ChatGPT goes on to say Robin's speeches are often focused on inspiring and motivating his audience, as well as providing them with practical tools for personal and professional growth. He uses storytelling, humor, and other techniques to create an emotional connection with his audience and to reinforce shared values and beliefs. While Tony Robbins' speeches sometimes touch on political or social issues, his primary focus is on personal development and self-improvement, which aligns more closely with the goals of epididic oratory. While Robbins' speeches sometimes touch on political or social issues, his primary focus is on personal development and self-improvement, which aligns more closely with the goals of epididic oratory than with the other types of oratory. Hmm. Thanks, ChatGPT. I agree, but for different reasons, but we won't go into that right now. I do want to talk about power, manipulation, knowledge, and communication. I heard someone say the other day that they stalked a decision maker in an organization and then made sure they mirrored back to this key stakeholder information that matched the gleaned worldview or able to get the money that they were asking for. They were proud of the approach, though for me it bordered on unethical, but it made me think of calls that we make to friends. I heard you know such and such. I have an interview with them. Can you give me the goss? I'll buy you lunch. Where do you stand on forewarned is forearmed? Are we manipulating audiences by asking event managers? Describe me the pain points of the audience. I want to make sure that when I talk to them, I'm addressing their issues. So perhaps public speakers and orators are connecting to a higher source to act as a conduit or a messenger to an audience. 
And this brings me back to my point about power and the ability to manipulate. Because my deepest concern is not leaving people free to accept or reject what is being presented to them. I once went to Vienna. I wanted to find a little museum, which I did. It was around the back of an alley and then through an archway and it was a tiny museum. And the spear of Longinius is in there, the spear that pierced Christ's side. And it has an interesting correlation because on the other side of the wall is the square where Adolf Hitler gave his speech as an orator, as a public speaker, bringing something to an audience for them to accept or reject. And I was on the other side of the wall looking at the means of damaging, hurting, killing yet another orator. So whether you're Cicero being beheaded or Socrates drinking hemlock or whether the spear of Longinius is plunged into your side for the things you've been saying in public spaces, there is not a lack of risk in being the conduit for these messages. And the bards that wandered from town to town and village to village knew this as well. From Socrates to Aristotle, Cicero and onwards, we have had centuries of orators, of rhetoric. I would ask you to look to the bards, Awen or Awenyid, not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> They're soothsayers and they're defined as flowing energy because of that ability to bring to life on earth powerful thought through speech. In the book of Taliesin, we're looking at it as poetic inspiration with the muse of the divine. One of the quotes is the three elements of inspiration that came splendid out of the cauldron. And if that's not the alchemy of innovation, I don't know what is. But the cauldron can also mean sovereign, which has a meaning of God or divine source. Don't forget to toss a coin to the witcher, I think the bard said. Of course, AI does this manipulation much better. While everyone is focusing on generative AI, like ChatGPT, the behavioural AI is ignored or excused. Behavioural AI will predict that you're going into a relationship 22 days before you know you're going into a relationship. Actually, I think Facebook said 100 days. Thanks to Facebook's FAIR, FAIR is Facebook AI Research Department, the Facebook Data Science Department, They've been analysing frequency of posting, sentiment and mood and that sort of thing. Which made me think, if AI gives one of my presentations in the future, it will do a better job. Because the biggest struggle for me as a public presenter is to read the audience. Am I too in-depth? Too superficial? Do they already know everything? Or are they not interested? If we consider Tony Robbins in more detail, and he is worth a case study... I've studied both Tony Robbins and TED Talks to understand the spiritual impulses and the philosophy and the technology used to manipulate us. And we have sentiment and semantic and behavioural AI in our brains. So when I see performances that are vastly orchestrated, the music's at a certain BPM to engender emotion, fast to build excitement, slow for suspense, the lights are all coordinated we can start to see something similar to an initiation ceremony. In fact, if we move events into the metaverse, the entry into the event may take place like catabasis, catabasis. Do you say catabasis or catabasis? I don't think I've ever said it out loud before. So catabasis is an initiation that is through a cave and then into a tunnel. You may have had dreams about that, by the way. 
in times long ago, people were taken into a cave and then into a tunnel to experience the withdrawing into the self. So transformation can occur. Something like the dark night of the soul, kundalini awakening or something. Tony Robbins has certainly had one of the most popular and well-visited virtual events in the metaverse. Probably not equal with those that are happening in the Middle East and in Asia, but certainly for the West, very popular. So I just want to wrap up. I mentioned that Cicero wrote 14 speeches throwing shade at Marcus Antonius Mark Antony. Mark Antony sent out some guards. They caught Cicero and beheaded him. And on that happy note... I'm going to say farewell, good luck with your presentations and your conferences, and if you see Roman guards heading towards you, run. I look forward to talking with you again in the next session. Have a lovely week. Welcome to Alchemy of Innovation with me, Laurel Papworth, where we transcend business concepts with a dash of philosophy and ancient religion, mixing in spirituality emergent technology and science, then garnishing the concoction with artificial intelligence and mysticism. Enjoy.